did you hear him? No. He said a big old boy came on the screen out of nowhere. Oh, Worm, those big old boys, you gotta watch out for them. He's playing Borderlands 2. Oh, does, yeah, your papa likes Borderlands. Yeah, he does. He sure does. Uh, yeah, that I saw that. that shit. I love it. That's so fun. My dad doesn't even know what a video game is. everyone and welcome to the fresh podcast market i'm panda and i'm here with my friend Teresa. how you doing Teresa? panda i'm good but i just was writing up a tag for two weeks ago's episode and instead of typing in chicken soup for the soul i wrote chicken soup for the soup <laughs> i love it chicken soup for the soup how are you doing today I'm doing just just grand. Here at the Fresh Podcast Market, we're a real podcast about fake podcasts. And you told me before we started that it's your turn to start first. It but is. I have to check in. How's that job going, Teresa? Are you guys still opening a restaurant? Don't air out my dirty laundry. Yeah, we are. I'm not going to say what's been going on there, but... Boy, howdy. In the words of a tweet that I said earlier today, great googly moogly, it's all gone to shit, Koopo. Good lord. I have faith that it will go okay, but right now we're in the thick of things and like everything happens so much, but I think it'll be okay. And don't you have a new job coming up? I do. I will no longer be a pizza witch. I will now be a burger witch. Loves it. A vegetarian burger witch still? They don't have any vegetarian burgers at my future place of work. I have not technically started there yet because if you follow me on Twitter, you know that I have been having some uh, some car issues, which was directly related to my ability to deliver pizzas. And it was right before I was going to be putting in my two weeks notice at the pizza job anyway. So technically, I'm still employed by Father Jonathan's Pizza Emporium, but I will soon be working for Christopher's Burger Grill. Loves it. It's called Topher's. That's ridiculous. I love it. But talk about your car accident, though, for a hot second. How did it happen? Give me a play-by-play. Oh, boy. It's not great. And it certainly doesn't look good for me. I was at a stop sign at a a two-way stop, not a four-way stop. And I was trying to turn left onto a road that is notoriously terrible for the traffic that is on it. I attempted to turn left, and there was a woman that was heading in the direction of me, and we collided. Yikes. And now I don't have a car anymore. Yikes. I'm so sorry. Is her car messy too or is it it was messed up a little bit but it was significantly better off than mine that is so terrible i'm so so sorry yeah it'll be okay but okay oh my poor bumper stickers they were they're still intact but i will have to abandon them to time and i'm very sad about it more importantly is your license plate still 
still safe? The pictures that you saw on Twitter were taken post-accident. So everything that you saw in the picture was intact. So I will be able to get my Tsukino, as in Usagi Tsukino, a Sailor Moon, car tag off of the car and onto my next vehicle as soon as I am able to acquire one. I'm glad to hear because that's a part of your brand. But let's let's stop talking and let's start podcasting for once in our goddamn lives. How does that sound? You're goddamn right, Teresa. Hit me with your beautiful, beautiful podcast idea. All right. So, Pand, what's your favorite book? My favorite book? Oh, that's a really difficult question. It tends to be whatever book that I have read last and the last book really? that I read. Yeah, because like I'll read a book and I'll get really excited about it. And I'll be like, this is the best fucking book that I have read unless it's a bad book in which I'm like, mm. but usually I don't finish bad books. The last book I finished, though, was A Wrinkle in Time, which I also recently saw the movie adaptation of, and it was amazing. And so I read A Wrinkle in Time when I was like in third grade. What I'm getting at is this podcast is where people talk about their favorite books. Oh, hella. I So I actually think when people tell you your favorite book, that's like a really big tell of what they're kind of like who they are as a person is. And I like actually don't trust people who say that they don't have a favorite book. If I ask, oh, what's your favorite book? And they say, I don't read or I don't have a favorite book. I'm like, I gotta go because like, I don't care what your favorite book is like you could say it was a book you read in middle school I could you could say that it's a book you read in elementary school like because for the longest time one of my favorite books like of all time was something I read when I was 11 up until maybe it was about 17 so like I get it like there are some books that you read as a kid and they stick with you forever like I don't care if you tell me that your favorite book is a Captain Underpants book like I really don't but for somebody to say that they don't read I like don't trust you so I love hearing what people's favorite books are. I love hearing what they like talking about. Oh, this is my favorite book. This is why. And I think it just really tells you about the person a lot. And I think it's like a really fun thing to hear. You know, now that I've been able to give it more thought, because I always get nervous when I ask questions that I'm not prepared for. I think my favorite book as it stands right now is probably Aristotle and Dante discover the secrets of the universe, which I've never read, which sa- what that says about me is gay, basically valid 100. Dare I say triple valid. I think a lot of people like that book a lot. And I think uh, I've never read it, but I've been told it's really good. I wholeheartedly recommend it. It's pretty short. So I uh, like, you could probably get through it in like a day or two. Like it's really not very long and it's very good and it's very beautiful and it makes me cry. Yeah, I really, I really get this, this sentiment that you have about not trusting people who say that they like don't read. Cause I also really feel that there's a, an age old John Waters quote that says that if you go home with somebody and they don't have any books on their bookshelf, then don't fuck that person. 
And I think that I agree with the sentiment behind that because if I went to somebody's house and I saw that they had no books on their bookshelf or if they did, they like, and I get that like part of that is an accessibility issue. Some people don't have access to books and you know, like that's fine. Like if you, if you like books and you can talk about books despite not owning very many, like that's totally valid. But at the same time, like if you don't own any books or if you don't own like if you don't own a significant number of books, it's just sort of like, hmm. Like, I own a lot. Like, I own a pretty big mix. I'm actually in the process of repainting and reflooring my bedroom right now. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know. It was sprung on me, like, uh, three days ago. So I have to, like, take down all seven million things that are on my walls, and I'm like, dreading thinking about it like after this i'm probably gonna eat some ice cream cake shower and then start cleaning up my room a little bit because like i gotta start getting it done my room is a really big mix and there's like a lot of stuff on my shelves from when i was like in elementary school still on my shelves oh my god me too like i totally have books that like i bought when i was in elementary and middle school that have even like traveled with me from when I left my mom's house and came to live in my own living quarters. Like, I still have plenty of books that are, like, from middle school, definitely. Yeah, like, you could look at my bookshelf right now, and I'll, I'll tell you a handful. I mean, I have, like... Please give me a random selection from your bookshelf. I'm dying to know. Scott Pilgrim. I love me some Scott Pilgrim. Classic. We got Helter Skelter still wrapped because my friend bought it for me as a surprise. Very excited. But I now have a hard copy of it. Uh, we have You Don't Like Me But You Don't Know Be My Nathan Rabin, which is like one of my favorite books. Uh, we have Invisible Man by Ellison. We nice. have Handmaid's Tale. We have several... Oh, Handmaid's Tale, the TV series, just got... Uh, they just released the trailer for season two. I'm very excited. I've only watched the first season, but I plan on doing Handmaid's Tale cosplay for Comic-Con because I'm a glutton for punishment. Do it. Thank you. We have uh, Ripley's Believe It or Not books. We have some rolled doll. We have the Jazz Jennings biography book that was handed off to me while I had an interview with Knopf Doubleday at one point. Wow. Yeah, we have um, several weird New Jersey books. We have, like, used copies of a lot of stuff. And then we have, like, family communal bookshelves. And maybe it was because I was raised by an English teacher. But, like, sometimes I feel bad that I kind of judge people on this character trait. Because, like, for instance, I have a friend who uh, her boyfriend is also my friend. And I was like, I'm going to use their names because they pro- they don't you care. You can make up fake names for them. Yeah, Okay. So we'll call them Caitlin and Clarence. I look at Caitlin and I go, Caitlin, what's Clarence's favorite book? Because you read a lot. Like, so how do you guys ever talk books? And she was like, Clarence doesn't have a favorite book. And I was like, what? That's impossible. So the next time I saw him, I was like, Clarence, what's your favorite book? And he's like, James and the Giant Peach. And I was like, awesome and he's like I don't read a lot but I still really really love that book and I was like perfect I'm glad that you have a favorite book and that just proves that like even if you don't read that often if it's not your thing like there's still things that will stick with you and still matters to you like my favorite book the first time I read it I was 15 have you mentioned your favorite book yeah it's no I have uh it's we've always lived in the castle by Shirley Jackson okay and then 
Uh, I also really, really love Dragon Behind the Glass by Emily Voigt, and that's about the world's most expensive pet aquatic fish. I pitched this book to literally everybody I meet, like ever. It's a masterpiece as far as I'm concerned. And it was just published in 2000, like early 2017, I think. Wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it was nominated for a Pen American Award. If you really like environmental journalism, I highly suggest it. If you like adventure and like treasure hunting kind of deal, I even would suggest it because it's so the whole book is like why at first it's about why is this fish illegal in the United States and then the culture that's surrounding this fish and then it becomes about this woman trying to find a breed of this fish in the wild before it can be documented and can technically be discovered. And it's really interesting because you kind of like realize that no animal can be discovered. It's already been discovered. It's more like it hasn't been documented yet. So it's really cool and I really, really enjoyed it. And I like bully everybody into reading it because I love it so freaking much. I think we've always lived in the castle, Dragon Behind the Glass and You Don't Know Me But You Don't Like Me are like probably my three favorite books right now. And I think that says a lot about me as a person because one is about a sister, two sisters living alone in like an abandoned house and then one sister trying to murder her cousin and then... I just explained what Dragon Behind the Glass is about. And then You Don't Know Me But You Don't Like Me is about the editor-in-chief of the AV Club following tours of fish and insane clown posse. And Oh, I think I have heard of that book, actually. Now that you mention it, I just didn't know it by name, necessarily. I, I do refer to it usually online as uh, the Fish and ICP book when I talk about it. I don't know that I've heard you refer to it, but I think I like read something on the internet or whatever. I follow the AV club on Twitter, so I probably saw something about it. Justin McElroy also really loves it too. See, that also may have been where I heard it from. It's very possible. I read it before I even started listening to Bim Bam. And I don't know how I actually, I think I actually found about it, found out about it on Tumblr or something like that. And then a friend got it for me for Christmas last year. So, and then I finally read it and I was like, this is, this is the greatest thing ever. And I really, really love it. And also like, for instance, I know, I'm just talking about books now, lads, whatever. For instance, I don't trust people who actively really, really like Murakami. I don't know what that is. Oh my God. What's this bitch's name? Uh, the guy who wrote Norwegian Wood in the, oh, is it Wind Up Bird? Oh my God. Uh, IQ84. Is it IQ84? I don't even fucking know. But I don't trust him at all. Haruki Murakami. There we go. I probably butchered his name. Yeah, he did IQ84, Norwegian Wood, Kafka on the Shore, The Wind-Up Bird Chronicles. Oh, I've heard of IQ84. Yeah, he has like a really big cult following. And frankly, what I've been told, because I've only read like two-thirds of Norwegian Wood, his books are really sad boy books. And I ain't got time for sad boys. Oh, I get you. Yeah. All right. We had no time for sad boys here. Ain't none. All right. Do you have a name for this pan? I don't. Do you have a name that you came up with? I kind of just want to call it What's Your Favorite Book? Because I feel like that's such a universal question to ask everybody. And I feel like everybody has asked that at some point. Yeah, another, this isn't title related, but I feel like another like dimension that you could add to this is also like the person talking about not only what their favorite book is now, but like 
if they can identify like a favorite book that they've had in the past. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And like talking about what, how they like what they think that that represents about that, like part of their life. Mm hmm. That's fair. I could actually tell you, this is so embarrassing. I could actually tell you the books that fundamentally made me the reader that I am today. I think that that's awesome. Yeah. So when I was younger, I had a really hard time reading actually. And I was like on hooked on phonics, which is like so embarrassing to admit, but like at the same time, a bitch <laughs> needs to learn how to read, you know, I was on hooked on phonics and my mom, my poor mother, God bless her soul. She was an English teacher at the time. So she's like, oh my God, what do you mean my kid doesn't like to read? What do you mean my kid can't read? So like my mom immediately put me on Hooked on Phonics like a champion. And then I would like slog through books. I'd be miserable the whole time while reading through them. And then finally in fifth grade, I read The Year That Born Jackie Robinson. And then I read A Cricket in Times Square. And those two books fundamentally changed my whole entire view on reading. And then... When I was in seventh grade, I think I read A Mango Shaped Space, who's, oh my God, I can't even remember who wrote that. Who wrote it? A Mango Shaped Space. There's a movie? There's a Mango Shaped Space movie? I guess you gotta watch that now. Oh my God. I know one of her books, Jeremy Fink, was written as a movie. I love, oh, this book. This is like probably one of my favorite books books it's about a girl who has synesthesia and I really really loved it but yeah she's like I've always like really really loved her when I was younger and like that made me want to read more and stuff like that and in turn now I'm a weirdo who pretty much only reads like non-fiction not even non-fiction I've been on a non-fiction kick lately after reading uh you don't know me but you don't like me and dragging behind the glass and I read like a Shirley Jackson biography and right now I'm reading console wars which like totally sucks butthole but whatever and I don't know I just there's like a lot of books that are super duper important to me like in first grade uh my mom read all of the chronicles of narnia books to me every day from christmas 2000 all the way till like the two days so i'm gonna guess around like june 22nd of 2001 like every day she would read me a like read me a chapter so there's like a handful of books that are super important to me and i just think it'd be a really fun podcast but how about you tell me one because i've literally been talking for more than like two-thirds of this episode right now uh i have a podcast idea and that podcast idea is this may sound a little boring, but it's an etymology podcast. Boy, I love etymology. Okay, I'm glad you're as excited about this as I am. Because, like, I just find, like, the history of words really fascinating. This would probably just be, like, a, like, single person talking into a microphone type thing. Or maybe, like, two people who know a lot about etymology bouncing off of each other. But, like, I just find, like, the background behind where words come from really interesting. Like, the, especially, like, I, I feel like it goes a little without saying, but I should clarify anyway that I mean, like, an English etymology podcast. Because, like, I feel like if you're trying to include all languages, then it could sort of get kind of off the rails but like finding out the like roots of where certain english words come from is just i don't know it's weirdly fascinating may i suggest a podcast to you yeah lexicon valley it's by slate and it's like ah that name is so good yeah i love it uh lexicon valley is probably one of like my favorite podcast. I haven't listened to it in a really long time because I've drank the Mackle Boys Kool-Aid. I have to get back into it. 
I listen to podcasts when I play when I play idle rhythm games. So right now I'm switching back and forth between my brother, my brother and me and the Jim Jones episodes of the last podcast on the left because I'm a terrible person, I guess. There are etymology podcasts that do exist in Lexicon Valley. Super cool. My favorite episode from it, granted, like I said, I haven't listened to it in like a year or so, has been there's an episode where they talk about why Seinfeld was only popular in English and why it wasn't popular in different countries, but as well as why oh Seinfeld was more God. popular on the East Coast than it was the West Coast. I'm going to have to check that the fuck out. That sounds so good. It was super awesome. They also, and like they have episodes like where it talks about like, how did New York get the nickname the Big Apple? What came first, the color being named orange or the fruit being named orange and stuff like that. Well, goddamn, I guess my podcast idea that I thought of three hours ago is already a thing that exists and is better than what I could have come up with. How about we make up our own on the spot right now and do one strictly only about internet lexicon? Because there's a lot of words that come from the internet that I'm like, the whom? Yeah, like there's a lot of terminology that people use on the internet that like, especially now is like derived from like memes and stuff. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like that would be a really interesting area to cover. Yeah, that's really cool. Granted, it could just be like reading a Know Your Meme article. But for instance, like the phrase copy pasta or even creepy pasta is a, a portmanteau. Is that what it is? A portmanteau. Is that how you say it? I think so. Yeah, a portmanteau of copy and paste. Originally, copy pasta, like copy paste, obviously, and then copy pasta, and then creepy pasta came from copy pasta. And like, it could even be something as basic as that, which I think is really, really fun. And like, I wish. Or even more like modern terms like milkshake duck. Excuse me. Oh, okay. So, milkshake duck is. I'm going to do a brief internet etymology lesson. Milkshake Duck comes from a tweet by, uh, I think it's at Pixelated Boat. And it, I don't remember the exact wording. Hold on. I can probably look this up actually. And I'll yeah, it's it. Pixelated Boat here. It's right Yeah, what it was is it was a tweet and, oh, it has its own Wikipedia page. That's fun. Okay. Uh, a milkshake duck is basically a person or character on social media that appears to be endearing at first, but is found to have an unappealing backstory. So, like, I think the the tweet... I have it right in front of me if you want me to read it. Yeah, you can do the dramatic reading of the tweet. All right. By Pixelated Boat at Pixelated Boat on Twitter.com. The whole internet loves milkshake duck. A lovely duck that drinks milkshakes. Five seconds later, we regret to inform you the duck is racist. Yeah, so it's basically like when the internet gets enraptured by like a character or person and then ends up finding out that this person is or, or character is like secretly racist or secretly terrible in some other like socio-political fashion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that would be another term that would come up on an internet etymology podcast. Oh, that's so good. It's like there was, I can like think of like an actual, like I can actually think of actual situations that have happened where people were milkshake ducks. It's such an actual phrase. I didn't, that's so good. It's like, for instance, how a lot of times people will call something like batshit crazy, like a 
time cube. Is that what it is? Sometimes people on the internet will refer to something as a time cube. And a lot of people are like, what the fuck's a time cube? And I mean, you could even talk about a phrase itself, time cube, and where time cube came from. And the whole, I don't want to say methodology or theology behind time cube, but like the whole, I guess the whole origin story of time cube would be a good way to describe it. Definitely, there's a lot of phrases. And you could use old memes, you could use new memes, and you could even do like, where did certain memes originate from? I don't remember where O worm comes from. And yet, me either. I love O worm. I say it all the time. It's so bad. I don't know that anyone knows where O worm came from. It was just sort of some random mutation of the phrase O word. Oh, this is what happened. It's on Know Your Meme. We're good, lads. Oh, worm is a misspelling of O word after appearing in an advice animal, uh, where O word is a common caption to begin to grow popular in the first half of Tumblr 2017. I love O worm. It's so good. All right. Since my idea of a an etymology podcast technically already exists, I'm going to throw out another idea. Okay. Or do we want to name our internet slang etymology podcast? Yes, we should probably do that. All right. I feel like there's definitely a good ass name in here somewhere, but I don't know if we'll actually find it. Memeology or something. Memeology. That's kind of meh. Yeah. I mean, you could just name it O word. <laughs> that's actually really good. Like O word or yeah. yeah, yeah. That's actually really good because it's all it's about the origin of words. Yeah, exactly. Oh man, you kicked it out of the fucking park, Teresa. Thanks. I want you to know I just made like a batting motion. I believe it. Thanks. Except I don't actually know how to use a baseball bat, so it's more like a tennis motion. That's okay. Me neither. Throw me another one, Panda, if you want to. Okay, my other podcast idea is, okay, so it would involve two hosts, and one host would describe a fictional character that the other host does not know, and the other host would have to attempt to draw this character based on the description given to them by their other host. Sounds like a fucked up game of Guess Who, I love it. Yeah, and I feel like it would also be good because, like, you can invite, like, audience members to also attempt to draw this character and, like, send it in. And then, like, at the end of the episode, you could post, they would post, like, what their, or maybe, like, a day after the podcast episode aired, they would post what it was that the other host drew. But I feel like it would, like, go back and forth. Wait. And I feel like it would just be really fun. <laughs> I think it would be fun, but I also think that we thought of a podcast like this before. Oh, yeah, probably. I think we talked about it because I remember saying, maybe it's on one of our Lost episodes, or if not, I feel like we need, we need a, somebody make a Wikipedia so we can check this shit. <laughs> we need a Wikipedia of our own we podcast. We need a, a, a Wikia, fresh podcast Wikia. It is entirely possible that I've come up with this idea before and then just like entirely forgotten about it because I forget everything as soon as I publish an episode of this podcast. Same here, same here. My memory gets wiped every time, but somebody make a fresh podcast wikia and yell at us if we made up the same idea of something. We have enough lore. That's doable. You could have a whole page dedicated to my really bad endings. Also a podcast about defending heteroships in media. How dare you? Don't bring this to me. I actually, it's funny that the the reason Teresa reacted like she did is because she posted something about hetero ships on Twitter earlier today. And this wasn't inspired by Teresa's tweet. They just happened concurrently. And I didn't want to save that idea for another week. There's only three good hetero ships. 
That's it. There's only three. They're very few and far between. Four, I, I feel like, but for this, it would be less of like just taking a ship and being like, yeah, I like this or whatever. And it would be more of like examining media in which the hetero ship is enforced by default and sort of examining like, do these people actually seem to like each other? Do they have chemistry? Troy and Gabriella are terrible for each other. You know what? I almost, I almost started talking about it, Pan. I almost started talking about the tea book. The tea. We won't mention the the tea word on the podcast this episode, or else you won't scream at me again. But yeah, it would be some. It would be stuff like the book we shall not name and high school musical and I don't know, like romantic comedies and stuff like where the two main characters are a boy and a girl, so to speak. And they are, it is implied by the whole narrative of the story that they are supposed to be like meant for each other or whatever. And examining the actual textual evidence for whether or not they belong to be together. Agreed, agreed. Do you do you have any het ships that you care about, Panned? Well, as I responded to your tweet, I, much as I would prefer not to be, can't help but love uh, Ladybug and Cat Noir from Miraculous Tales of Ca- Ladybug and Cat Noir because they're, they're very good. They are good. And I just, they're... They're just so cute. They belong together. It's fine. I have three het ships total that I care about. Also, you probably haven't seen Battlestar Galactica, but I have a hetero ship from Battlestar Galactica, which is uh, President Laura and Commander Adama. What the fuck is his rank? I have not seen Battlestar Galactica, but I trust you. You have good opinions. It is Commander Adama. Battlestar Galactica is very good. That's good. I wish I cared about it, but I don't. And I feel like now my time is It is extremely hetero throughout all of it. It is like, it is alarmingly hetero as just a TV show. But goddamn, is that some good sci-fi writing. Loves it. Hot ships I care about. Ned and Chuck. Winry and Ed. (laughs) Winry and Ed, yes, from Full Metal. I mean, and obviously Azumi and her husband are like chef kiss, but like, I'm talking like main ships, I guess. Winry and Ed, most definitely. Senna and Suzuna from iShield 21. I don't know what that is. It's a football manga anime, but I've only read the manga. Okay. It's really messy. It's like a really goofy ass series, but I love it. And then Chuck and Ned from Pushing Daisies. Ah! They're so good. Well, also, I just love all the characters from that series. Like, Emerson Codd is my favorite character of all time ever. And he's, like, a detective who knits. He's a good boy. He's not even a boy. He's a full-grown adult. Ned and Chuck are so good. And they defy all the laws of natural being and super being. And ah, ah, I love them. Okay, I think we're done now, lads. Unless you have a name for this. I feel like I had one a few seconds ago, and then we got derailed. Hold on, I'm going to try to think of it real quick. I think we could just call it M slash F, like a parent. <laughs> like, I think that would be fun. Yeah, no, I really like that name. Uh, I'm mad that I can't think of what I was thinking of three seconds ago. I should have written it down. It happens. I'm going to take a second to try to remember, 
and that second will probably be edited out for the sake of your listening podcast listener, but be known, I probably thought about it for a very long time. Oh, it was Ship Overboard. Ooh, that's toasty. I'm here for it. That was the name that I thought of was Ship Overboard. I love it. That's good. That's good. All right. I think I think it's time to, to pack it in. I, I agree with you. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can do that at Fresh Pod Market. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do that at mpandanata. Where can they follow you on Twitter, Teresa? Uh, you can follow me at vicuña, V-I-C-U-N-A-D. All I've been tweeting about right now is bandari. I am so sorry, everybody. Uh, if you want to follow us on tungle.hell, we are at Fresh Podcast Market. Yeah? Oh, my God. It's on Tumblr.com. Tumblr.com. Fresh podcast market. I'm double checking because I don't trust myself suddenly. If you have podcast ideas, you can send those to us on Twitter or you can send those to our Tumblr or you can send those to freshpodcastmarket at gmail.com, which is our email address. If you like our theme song that is still Plants by Hopefully Not Bad Lib on SoundCloud.com and... Do we have anything else? We have merchandise. We have merchandise with our logo on it. And you can find the link to that in our pinned tweet. And we also have a Kofi where you can support the show for $3 at a time. That is ko-fi.com slash Fresh Podcast Market. I think that's I think it. That is everything. Yeah. Thank you for joining me at the Fresh Podcast Market, Teresa. Thanks for joining me at the Fresh Podcast Market, Pand. Everybody, it's time for me to eat some ice cream cake. See you later. Hell yeah, what kind of ice cream cake you got?